We're now going over. This is basic Kabbalah 101 is to know your spherot. Okay? Ten spherot starts on page... You already had it in front of me before you, okay? Ten spherot, chapter three. We went back. I know I skipped. Okay, just be on page 22. Okay. No. 22 is spherot. 10 spherot of nothingness. If you look in the old, one of the oldest Jewish books we have in tradition called Sefer Yitzhira. Classic book. This one is nicely worn. Okay. Um, it, the first chapter gets into these what's called ten spherot. Classically, everybody translated as ten illuminations. Because they illuminate your brain. <laughs> they illuminate us. Because you know something? We are finite beings. And we are in a process of awakening to infinity. Infinity is in a process of about to hit us. Okay? You bet. Destiny is coming our way. And we need to be prepared. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of YouTubes by Rabbi... Um, What's the uh, laser Brody? Wonderful, unbelievable. Donald Trump and how from Rabbi Brody and uh, his victory and the purpose he plays. He's actually a good Asaph. It's I'm okay with that. Rabbi Brody, not I'll buy anything. Anything that spells redemption, I'm okay. Oh, it's, it's coming. <laughs> Just save us, he okay? Just get us out of here, okay? That's Rabbi Just Brody. get us out, okay? <laughs> My Are you live? <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm so okay with it. Cool. It's a great story. My father-in-law, um, he once challenged these certain Hasidim. I won't name who they are. Oh, boy. These certain Hasidim are very dedicated to their Rebbe and think that he is the Messiah. Or Actually, he passed away, so he, they could, he couldn't be the Messiah. We won't go about it. We won't go. We won't. And anyways, he had a very sharp conversation with these gentlemen and he says you guys are the last person to recognize the Mashiach because for you he has to be this this and this and this and people have a lot of criteria you know what kind of strimal he has to have or no strimal yes strimal what kind of kippa what background I mean forget it forget it let me finish okay my father-in-law says you guys are the last people because if he was some, you know, what do you call it? You know, I'm going to say it like he said it, okay? It was an overweight black woman who would come through the door and saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm there. Just save me. <laughs> and you guys couldn't be able to, to, to hear it, okay? So, you know, he went extreme, but for a purpose, okay? Can I say something in all fairness? You're uh, live. Speaking, okay. On behalf of the Hasidic community, um, please ignore any Meshichis because they do not represent Lubavitch. We know that. All right. Yes. What we are now going into in Judaism 101, Kabbalah 101, is you have to know the Sfirot. You cannot move without it. It is the basic jargon of all Kabbalistic doctrine. Everything goes into the roots, and these are the ultimate roots, and you have to know these ten roots. Okay? Like I said, we're finite. And we are in the process of awakening to the infinite. 
and I use this word as exactly, awakening to the infinite, okay, waking up, okay, when we would have come to Zion, we would have been like dreamers, okay? So in order to have that to be a pleasant awakening, okay, it's nice to have a way of communicating, a web bridge. You need a method, you need handles, you need tools. How to grasp infinity. Because you can't grasp infinity. We're finite. As soon as we try, try to think... The definition of a concept, as soon as you put a concept on, on something, that's automatically uh, finite. So you jump right back into your finite. So here we have these, this bridge, the tensphereot, which is going to help us to grasp infinity. That's why we call it ten illuminations. Okay, but they're called much more, as you have here, one, two, three, four, five definitions here. Okay? But the idea really is this, and I said in the first line here, and the first, very first uh, set of Mishnayot, of Mishnas in the Sefer Yitzhir, the Book of Formation, always fit, starts off to describe the Svirot as ten Sviros bli ma, which means of nothingness. Without what? In other words... You can't really go there. You're not really going to grasp the essence of a sphera. Okay? Only what comes from the sphera. It's like a hole that something comes out of, but you cannot grasp the area. Okay? And actually, in Savior Yitzira, I'm going to bring a lot of things to you. Okay? And, but don't worry, because we're going to go over it. You go over it, and as you, if you continue the study... You go over it, you get it, it get it, it comes, it comes, it comes, and it, and it gets niched in. Okay? So don't freak out if you don't... Okay? Because I'm going to throw like, some stuff at you. Okay? Because I just like to. Okay? So the idea here is... The Savory Yitzhir does not mention vowels. So if I w so a lot of people, a lot of Kabbalists will describe, put, th put the sphero in the form of vowels. Okay? Because vowels really don't have anything to it. It's dots and lines. They don't really have, they have sounds, but it doesn't really have anything that could carry a message. Which is very symbolic of a, mish of, of a sphero, which, you know, you can't really grasp the message. It's like the Torah. Well, the Torah has letters, thank God. Because letters are the vessels. And the vessels have vowels, which is like your engine, which is like your, sorry, your gas for the letters. Okay? They help the letters to go. Otherwise, the letters will sit there also without a vowel. Okay? We'll get into this. But just to give you the idea. So we, we, we want to go to the end picture here. Because we spoke about that the fact that there was a... a I'm always challenged with, a, with finding a right marker, and I always tell myself, bring your own next time, and maybe you'll get a good one, that one that works, okay? No, well, eh. Let's try red. Bingo. Okay. So we have here, I'm going to draw these circles here. Okay. And it's very important to have this. Here's your ten characters on the play. We're gonna be we're gonna have a play. There's gonna be ten characters, and you gotta know your characters. Okay? It's not like some places, some movies where people get lost in characters. 
you're going to have to know these characters, okay? I'm going to introduce each one of these characters. Really, they're the same person, just wearing a different costume, okay? It's going to be the same light that's going to come from here to here, shining, shining, all the way down from here, from top to bottom, okay? So the thing is, last time that we, we talked about, or the last many classes, we talked about, really, the sphere were lined like this, one on top of the other, in a one-column array, at least the lower seven were, okay? Not the first three, the lower seven. And here we see after, when they were fixed, when they get attached to their root, they're going to be in what we call the three-column array. Very important to get this, okay? Okay, one, two, and three. You have a right, right, left, and center. Very important, okay? There's gonna be a lot of facts that are gonna go into this because really I call this the spiritual DNA of creation. Every single thing in creation goes into this, one of these things, every single thing. 10, come on, you guys can think now to yourselves, 10 in, in, in the, just in the Chumash, in the five books of Moses. Anything that is in 10 hooks up to these. Okay, anything. The 10 statements of creation. 10 commandments. 10 commandments, right? Dominion. Uh, that's also good. I didn't even think about that one. And then there is also, what other 10? Anybody can name any other 10s in the, in the, in the Bible? 10 Sadiqim. Yeah, it's seven sadikim, the lower seven, 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 which is good tomorrow. because that goes according to this. Okay. What? Everybody's talking at once here. Ten plagues. Ten plagues is exactly ten plagues. Ten tests of Abraham. Okay. I was thinking of in when you were talking when Abraham Abraham is talking with. With Hashem about uh, Sodom Amora. He says it, he gets all the way down to ten. Ten men, ten righteous men, ten which righteous. is a set, it's a whole. Yes, yeah. yeah. And days with Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Nice. Okay. Any single thing that you find in ten. Right? It's Yes, totally this. Every single thing, this is the root pattern of everything. If you grasp this, then every single thing makes total sense. And not only that, you are in alignment. Because then you can use your mind and your powers of concentration and focus and energy to reap the benefits of whatever is going on. You are able to hook things up to the root. Okay? That's why it's so important to know this. Now, a lot of places don't study this. Okay? Shh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, here I have here rule number one. I didn't put names yet. Their essence cannot be described, like I just said. One can experience the spherot only in high levels of meditation. They must be experienced. Experienced. They must be experienced. I underlined it. Any description of the spherot is derivative, but not their essence. You can't touch a sphera. You can dream about a sphera. I dreamed about Bina once, you know, glowing, some kind of dull glow, okay? But... One, that was it. Okay, I knew it was Bina, but that was it. Okay, so what is the word Sphira? <clears throat> so you have one, two, three, four, five different uh, words in Hebrew. And you know, everything in Hebrew, 
obviously is going to indicate a given arrow to what its root is. Okay, but like I said, there's five. So you're, you gotta, gotta, you're gonna have to go ahead and use your mind to go ahead and put it together, okay? One is le saper, to express or to communicate. This is like how God is going to communicate his will, okay? 10 statements of creation, 10 commandments, okay? Sapphire, sapir, actually the lucho, the 10 tablets, the, the, sorry, the two tablets were made out of sapphire, stone, okay? But that's really more like sapir is also a meditative uh, state, is also the stone itself, or means brilliance or luminary, okay? Shine. Uh, safar means number because there are ten in number. Uh, also, safar means boundary because obviously, if you have ten, you have a boundary. It's ten and not eleven. Sefer. It's ten and not nine. Safer is book because it's telling over. All of these words are indicating indicative of, but once again, it's all derivative. Okay, so you get it. But we we're going to call them so we can just have a, a nice grasp of it. The Ten Illuminations, that's how it's classically translated, okay? And every single thing translates into these. You know, no one mentioned the, uh, actually there were uh, seven nations of Canaan that we needed to conquer. Mm -hmm. And there were three that we were not allowed to conquer. That's because of this. All the root of this. The seven nations of Canaan that we had to conquer are the seven lower spherot which represents seven bad character traits. And when Yeshua conquered the land, he was conquering those seven character traits, overcoming the evil side. There's a good side and an evil side to the spherot. You know that, the dark side of the spherot. Okay? So, um, so Yeshua was conquering them, but there were three nations which are reserved for when the Mashiach comes that we couldn't touch. Mm -hmm. Asaph. We wanted to go through Asaph. When we were traveling in the desert, if you look into the midbar, we wanted to get to Asaph. Asaph says, No, you no come here. We come up with swords and kill you. Okay? Then Amon and then Moab. You got it. Those two nations. Okay? So those two nations represent these three, which cannot be touched until Mashiach comes. Mashiach will handle those. Asaph, Amon, and Moab. They're two. Can't deal with it. Too high. Yeah. Okay? Yes. But Mashiach will come and deal with it. With, the, with the, whatever the fixing of this sphero. In other words, we need to. Okay, we'll get to it. There's lots to do, and I'm just, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay? Mm -hmm. All of these words are related concepts and point to the sphero as having two basic functions. If you'll notice, if you go through the difference of these things, you'll see that sapphire represents something more luminous. Okay? while book represents something more of a clee, but yet, you know, a book also has information in it, right? So the, here's the two things, and it's, and it's really important that you get this in terms of, of Kabbalah and understanding the wisdom of Kabbalah, is that there's something called Orot, which means light, and then there's something called Kalim, which means vessels, okay? Orot and Kalim, okay? We say luminaries that serve to reveal and express God's greatness. And yet, in order to grasp them, you need a vessel. A lot of times. Okay? Every single thing. You need a vessel. If you don't have a vessel. And every single thing that we're doing in our growth 
in our growth and learning is to build our vessel in order to receive more light, i.e. the bigger the vessel, more the light. Smaller the vessel, less light. And I'm not talking about a vessel like a cup. We're talking about our minds, okay? Our minds. To expand our minds, but our minds can only get receive so much. The idea really is to expand our minds in order to, to give us the ability to receive more light. So these spherot also, in a certain way, have both modes in them, okay? So the spherot are the most basic modes of God's creative power. That's why I call it the spirit, the, the DNA, okay? They make up the inner structure and makeup of the universe and serve as the bridge between God and his creation. So bridge is a key word, okay, because there's us, we're finite beings. God is infinite. We need a bridge. We need some way, right, to have some kind of way we can communicate with infinity or have a relationship with infinity. How do you relate to infinity? Okay? So this is the bridge. The ten spherot here are the bridge, right? The spheroids are not God, but rather the medium with which everything takes place in the universe. An example of this form is the famous story of the invisible man. But first, before that, the other main rule or main word that you have to know in relationship to the spheroid, which helps us, is called in Hebrew. Who speaks Hebrew here? Hanhagot. That's Hanhagot. Anhagot comes from the word Nahag. Nahag, Nahag means? Driver. 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 The world. Okay? So there's ten Hanhago. There's ten ways he is going to drive or guide, okay, things in the world. Okay? A manifestation of sorts, how God is running the world. And there's ten forms of that. Okay? So the invisible man is the great is the great Mashal uh, parable that my father-in-law, Zechusa Yegena Lena, would always tell us. He says here on page 23, the top, the, if the invisible man was in the room, you'd never know he's there. Does anybody know the story of the invisible yeah. man? I'm dating myself, but that's just too no, but let's bad. Do it again. He drank a potion and he's invisible. Okay? And he's yeah. stuck that way. There's no antidote or whatever. He's stuck. Invisible. You know, and then, of course, whatever drama that he goes through, you know, and, but, of course, he would try to listen to people in a room having a conversation. Of course, one guy was really clever, and he smoked a cigarette. And he saw the silhouette. Get him! Right. So they tried thinking, yeah, whatever. You know, it's all kinds of tricky stuff. But, of course, the invisible man, you'd never know he's there until he does something like pick up a glass and drink or move something in the room or smoke a cigarette in those days. I love the cigarette because it was like dangling on the wires that they would use in those days. Or even put on some clothes. He put on bandages and a sunglasses and a hat yeah. and the gloves and a whole suit. And then you know he's in the room. Yeah. Okay? Garments. Simple. Okay? Only after he puts on garments can we have a relationship with him. The spheroids are very much the same way. They are like garments God wears in order to relate to creation. But they're not God himself, God forbid. Once again, a garment. Keyword, garment. Okay? 
So I got a few words up here. We have illumination. Okay, we have hanhaga, which is a guide. We have now, we have, what was it, the word I just said? Remind me, I'm testing. Guide, garment. Garment, got it. Okay. Okay, so there are garments that God wears. Okay, how he behaves with us, and then we learn from those garments. Okay, so here's the concept of revealing and concealing at the same time, because that's what garments do. Garments reveal and conceal. They hide, because you can't really see what's behind them. But yet, the form of the garment is going to reveal what's around the garment. Is it a right hand or is it a left hand? Right? Is it a right leg, a left leg? Is it a head? Is it a body? Okay? Until you have a garment, right? So the garments act, so these spherot act as a revealing and a concealing. It reveals. In other words, there's an aspect of light that is in the sphera. That's why it's called an illumination. And then there's an aspect of, of a limitation because it is a garment. It's just a garment. It's not God's essence. We can never touch God's essence, God forbid. And that's what's very important about this study. And that's why we have to have this, this um, very, very uh, key thought that you always have to hold on with you because this is a handle that saves us from many pitfalls. One of the dangers of learning Kabbalah is taking things and making them very lofty spiritual things and understanding them in a physical form. We talk about spiritual things such as the spherot, but really we cannot understand things in this physical world as that it and congeal. We cannot take spiritual rules and congeal them into a physical form. He's our, he's my uh, my waiter. Just make sure you tip him at the end, okay? Okay. Party of three? Party of three, yeah. yeah. Table for three? Table for three. You can't take You cannot take a spiritual lofty concept, okay, and look at it and, and make it congealed as if the, the biggest problem with that is, okay, and, it, and it's a huge problem. I'll, I'll explain right now with the biggest, biggest problem that people do say, okay? If we understand that God is all there is, okay, and that everything is God, so that means the table is God, the chair is God, and I'm God. And that becomes Spinoza. Yeah. Well, we, all of the above. We're not even going to out. You're, you're already now. You're outside the realm of Torah. Okay. The problem is once you go into the idea of this is God and this is God and I see God and this is God and this is God and then and then you go I'm God and then you know then you, then we know where that goes. Okay. I mean, obviously this is forbidden thinking in Torah it's law. It's not the holy sparks. God. Oh, yeah, you're explaining it. You're talking to God particle inside. Okay, but you understand that there are <laughs> teachers who do say this, and I've actually sat with them, okay? And 
That's the worst thing. And if you take the spherot and you understand the concepts that we are going to go into when we learn the spherot, you get to say, okay, if this is this, then a person can, God forbid, make start to make a mistake and think that the physical things are God themselves. But it's not so. Okay? That's what the point here is. That's what's called anthropomorphism. That's what's called you taking a spiritual concept and bringing it and saying it into something physical that it is something spiritual. No, it's really the opposite and that I'm going to share with you right now. Every single thing that we talk about is called a borrowed terminology. Borrowed terminology. Every single thing that we express, all our limited concepts are borrowed terminology. Don't forget we are finite beings awakening to the infinite. Okay? So here how it goes. The sphere of the Kabbalah are the keys to the precise meaning behind the anthropomorphic tones in the Bible, as we're going to see. We all know that God has no physical form, yet we see so many places in the Bible that ascribe to him body parts, such as the hand of God, an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. Also, we see ascribed human emotions, such as wisdom, truth, mercy, justice, and anger. Ascribed to God. God got angry. So, so you know, some people I know, student, you know, okay. We can't say that about infinity. Like I were looking, there's an experience that it would be interpreted as God is angry, okay? Such as Pompeii, okay? But we cannot say that and ascribe that to God, okay? So that's why we're gonna take this rule and don't worry, I will keep interjecting it as much as possible to make sure that we don't veer off course, okay? All anthropomorphisms are borrowed terminology. Okay, I mean God borrows terms from his creatures to express his relationship to the world. We're going to explain that right here. My, the only thing that I remembered from university, the only thing, okay? I was a year in Cal State Northridge, right? Mm -hmm. Before I took off and went to Israel and went in a cave, okay? <laughs> For 10 years, okay? My yeshiva was like a cave, okay? Mm -hmm. It was a good cave. It was a yeah. good cave, okay? But between the 80s and the 90s, you know, people will say, well, didn't, don't you know this? Or, you know, they quote like stars or whatever was going on. <laughs> Nothing made it into the cave except Michael Jordan. <laughs> the only guy who made it in the cave. <laughs> That's oh, Anything else? Oh, you didn't see this? You didn't see this movie or this show or this stuff? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was in a cave. Anyways, the parable of the men in the cave in university. And it's so dynamic and it's so basic. Mm -hmm. and, we, and I can't go over it enough because I love it. It is so, because it's so awakening. Yeah. It was the most, like I said, it was the only thing I remembered from university, okay? Was the three men chained in a cave facing the wall, mm. and there's a fire in the cave behind the men, right? To the men in chains, their caretakers are only seen as shadows in which they communicate back and forth on all of their dealings, right? This is Aunt Betty, that's Uncle Ed. Right? And they are taking care of us. We have talked conversations, long conversations with them. Their whole life, they are raised among the shadows on the wall. That right? That right? The whole life, they are raised assuming the shadows on the wall are reality because that's all they saw their whole lives. Until one of the men is released to the outside world. All that he thought was real his whole life has now faded to become mere shadows on a wall. Of course, he's exposed to the world. His eyes are open, depth, beauty, color, expanse. 
Okay, after he overcomes the initial shock, he's like, oh my gosh, I gotta go tell the rest of the guys. He goes then goes back to the cave to tell his friends about the real world. Due to his experience outside in the light of day, he is no longer able to see the shadows anymore. And his friends not only refuse to believe him about an enormous bright world, they consider him crazy because he cannot even see their world clearly. Okay? So you guys, the whole world, you guys don't even know this is nothing. You guys are not, you talking about this. This is Aunt Betty, that's Uncle Ed, man. <laughs> you talking about Okay. So, my dear friends, my dear friends, our whole lives, we think that what we are experiencing is real is so not real and is so true. And, and, and all of the books, the holy books of the Kabbalah all indicate that. That every single thing in our world is nothing but a shadow of something else that we are completely unaware of. And the only thing that we have is the terms that we call it. We call this a hand. This is not a real hand. This is not a real hand. This is not a real hand. This is a shadow of a hand. We don't know what a real hand is. We don't know. We know it's got a name. It's called hand. H-A-N-D. Yad. Yodalit. But we don't know what a real hand is. You have a head, you have a body, you, 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 yeah. we think this is the real world. We are way off. Okay? We are. Okay? It's a total twilight zone. I got a red pill. Okay? You want the red pill or the blue pill? You got a choice now. Okay? I got a red marker or a blue marker. Okay? So, so... You got to show us that movie. Yeah, I will. We'll get to there. We'll get to there. So the idea really is, you know, and when I showed the, the Matrix to my father-in-law, of course, he, you know, he's very casually, when Neo wakes up, you know, and, and they welcome him to the real world, don't worry about it. And so he says, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a classic philosophical problem. What's the big deal, right? It's, it's, it's an old problem. It's the, it's the old, it's the old problem, right? Right? So, he also mentioned another lot of irony in there that was pretty interesting because the people who are free are more enslaved mm -hmm. in their existence than the actual people who are enslaved, okay? But in any case, the idea really is what we think is real is not really real, okay? And you know the physicists all get to this. All the physicists get to are all, you know, and it's known that, that they're climbing the, 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 uh, the mountain, you know, of existence to finally figure out all the formulas to explain the unified field theory and how all the theories are going to go together between special relativity, right, and general relativity. And they're finally going to climb this mountain and they're going to see the Kabbalists up at the top of the mountain, probably roasting marshmallows, going, where you been? Okay. <laughs> Or kosher weenies. <laughs> okay. Okay, so here, page 24 at the top. So this is all compared to our dark world versus the world of truth and light. Okay, our world is how old? We're 70 years here, 80, 90, 120. We should all live healthy. To 120, but it passes. But but Chazal, all the Gomorrah says it passes like the shadow of a bird. That's why that's that's the language of the of the Talmud. Our lives pass so fast like the shadow of a bird in flight. Now that's a weird way to say it. Yeah, 
the shadow of a bird in flight. It's like a very Okay? So this is all compared to our dark world versus the world of truth and light. Since the goal in Judaism is the spiritual and the physical world is only a means of eternal bliss, it's the bridge, the corridor, it's the entranceway before you enter into the big hall. The spiritual world, the eternal existence, would seem to be the world of truth and light. Our world is merely a darkened reflection of what is real. It's a reflection. Wow. In other words, there's a spiritual existence that we are all enjoying in some other dimension that we're not necessarily aware of. <coughs> We'd like to be. We're working on it. Okay? It's not the evil Mr. Spock. <laughs> okay. Even though it was my favorite episode. Oh my okay. god, yeah. <laughs> but it, we are, there is, a, there is a, a, a levels, and we've ex talked about this, of our soul that are existing, and there are many other things that are reflected, that are in the spiritual realm, and all of them are reflected down into this world. Okay? This world is only, like we always say, that we know that the Torah is the blueprint of creation. And when we say that it is the blueprint of creation, we say that it is not like a blueprint that you look at the plants and you build a house and then you put away the blueprint. It is constantly giving everything its animation very much like a film projector. Yeah. Rabbi Kiva Tatz put it this way. And it's, it's, the film projector has the light that shines through a film onto the screen. Mm -hmm. Right? So the screen is this world. The film is the Torah, and the light, of course, is the light of the... Often Freed used that in the video, himself as a child. So really, every single thing that you see in this world is only a reflection of something else going on in the film. Okay? There's something, other things going on. We have no idea what the small little movements that we make. You know, what? I, 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 it hit me once when I, when I was learning. I, I don't know where I picked it up. You know, we are, we are existing in 14, point, 14 and a half pounds of pressure. Normal sea level is 14 and a half pounds of pressure. It's pressure per square inch, right? What is it? There's pressure. We don't feel it. Right? You don't feel pressure, right? Because we're used to it. Yeah. Right? But meanwhile, there is pressure. If you go down into the sea, you know, if you go uh, you know, scuba diving, then you feel pressure. If you go down low enough, you feel pressure. And everybody knows if you're in the water, right? and you go like this in the water, yeah. it's gonna make a wave, right? It's gonna have an effect. So why wouldn't we think that if we go like this, in the spiritual realm, wouldn't have an effect? There's, there's, just because we're used to it and we don't see what's going on behind the veil or in the spiritual realms, there's a connection and we're all just a reflection of something down here. For a reason, okay, there's a goal. Thus, all we experience in the physical realm, including our own physical, emotional, and mental qualities, are a mere reflection, a parable of what is going on in the upper realms. Our hand is not a real hand. We don't know what a real hand or an outstretched arm is. But our hands give us some type of allusion to what a real hand is. But it's not a real hand. So what you're experiencing in this world is not real. Okay? That's how the Kabbalah looks at it. Okay? This allegory is indicative of the relationship of our physical world to the spiritual world. Since we teach everything evolved originally from a spiritual essence and later became solidified and concealed into our physical world, 
That makes the spiritual world the essence and the more connected to the roots. All that we experience in the physical realm, including our own physical, emotion, and mental qualities, are a mere shadow, shadowy reflection of something else really going on. Hence, our hand is not a real hand. We don't know what a real hand or an outstretched arm is. Our experience is thus a metaphor of something else greater and spiritual in nature. Okay? So we're going about our existence, and the idea really is to try to embed very deeply, and as deeply as we can, into our psyche, that what is going on is not necessarily what is real. Okay? Thus, these allegories are used to express such as an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. Yes, God did take us out of Egypt with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. But we don't know what that is. Okay? It's not we're taking those terms and, and, and putting it, right? Take it, it's, it, it's, it's called borrowed terminology. Okay? So thus, these allegories are used to express a very profound relationship between God and His creation. So when we speak of God's eyes, we are alluding to what? Not physical eyes, God forbid. We are alluding to His being aware of everything. And God's hand is an expression of power. The spherot are the coded root form of all of these expressions. Okay? So that's why we have to lose when we talk about it. Because we're going to talk about physical parts. That's why I need to give you this. Is it hot in here or is it me? Someone want to turn on the AC? Mm -hmm. I'm always, I've been melting all day. I don't know. Okay, I'll do it. Does it open? Which way does it open? Out? Perfect. Good chair there. Well, that's nice. I feel it Breeze. Okay. That's why anybody who experiences this as an awakening, anybody who sat in, in, in the philosophy class went, okay. Oh, that's fair. There could be something much bigger going on. And, and to some people who are attuned, it certainly makes sense because life is too short and it doesn't have meaning otherwise. And all of this is in, in, indicative of the, uh, the existence of a soul and the existence of the spirit realm and the existence of other things that are going on besides what our senses say. So, any, so, so anytime I'm doing something, whether it's a mitzvah or... The opposite. Ah, the opposite. The dark side of the yeah. force. Yeah. Okay. Then there is some other kind of existence where... No, we're going to stay like this. We're going to say there's an effect. There's an effect. Huge effect. L look at it as, as if you are have 613 strings. Okay. Connected to the, to the spiritual realm. Right. That you do one of those strings, it's going to have an effect. In other words, it's going to do some massive things up there. Massive, massive, not just yeah. massive, okay. and those will in turn bleed into a manifestation down here. Uh, it's a chain. It's a chain kind of. It's like a. It's like a, a, a circuit. It's a circuit. All right. You have a rope. Yeah. That extends into infinity. Mm -hmm. You shake the rope. It is going to go and mm -hmm. shake things up there. Okay. 
but it's but it's but it it, it works in ways that it's your thoughts have massive effect in the spiritual realm. How can affect my thoughts here in somewhere else, in someone that I maybe I don't know? We have no idea how interconnected we are and really what is going on, okay? We, have, we are so interconnected. And the thoughts we think, if, the, if you look in the first char of Chaim Voloshin's of big book, famous safer, it just eluded me. Chaim Voloshin, uh, Nishmas, uh, and it's not called Nishmas Adam, sorry, now it's Nevesh Chaim. Nevesh Chaim. Nevesh Chaim, the very first gate, talks about the thoughts, how your thoughts can, can destroy a, a, a temple. That whole concept of Yerusha Shemayim, this is, that's the root. That's the, that's to teach you purity. Connect with God, everything should be pure. But we're training. But that's, don't worry, it's user-friendly. Yeah, yeah, sure. The Torah is very user-friendly. <laughs> sure. Okay? And there, yes, I, I, there was a great, there was a great, uh, you know, a long time ago when I was out of the cave, my dad sent me this movie that he thought it was very interesting called Sphere. Sphere, did anybody know it? Oh, Science fiction. Water under the yeah, in the bottom at the bottom of the ocean, they found something. They thought it might have been a spaceship or a time champion. What was I believe? I think it was with Dustin Hoffman. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. And uh, I forgot who. Anyways, uh, the idea was they found a ship underneath the ocean. It was you know, and they and they needed a special team to go, and they could go into this ship. They thought it was an alien ship. It ended up being really a ship, uh, what a space shuttle, but but what is three hundred years in the future? That somehow ended up being back in time in, in the bottom of the ocean. Right. Mm-hmm. And they noticed there was one article, weird thing inside this ship, was, which was this big silver sphere. Yeah. And what happened was, I'm just going to cut to the chase because, you know, save you guys from seeing it. Okay? You don't need to go kind of save you. But, but, it was a, but it was a very dynamic concept. Now, now Alan's getting cold. Good, I'm good. You're, okay. You deserve to be cool. <laughs> I'm just sitting here listening. The dynamics of this is, uh, I, I, we're a little off topic, but this is, this is unique, okay? What happened was one guy, he walked into the sphere. Oh, you're not supposed to go into the sphere. You know, there's military around, there's security. He went into the sphere, he comes out, they find him, and he, uh, and he passed out. He wakes up, and then uh, he started to, you know, he seems to be normal, but they, they, you know, they're observing him. Mm-hmm. And he keeps reading 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea this book and I don't even read the whole book 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea you know uh, but it but it's the weird thing is when it stops at a certain part of the book where it's the rest of the pages are blank because it was attacked by a monster and it freaked him out and he didn't want to read about the monster that attacked but the weird thing is all of a sudden the, sh- the, the place where they were underneath the water the station got attacked by a monster Mm-hmm. The, the, and, and then the other people started to go into the sphere. And then what it was, was it was a gift, this sphere. This gift was something that if you enter into it, it manifests your thoughts. So if you have fears, it manifests your fears. Okay? So is this kind of like when uh, the four um, sadiqim, there was Rabbi, Rabbi Kiva, the four went into the harness and one died, one became insane. One was okay. I never thought about that. Let me think about that one. Uh, it could be, but it's 
I don't think it's as that they were trying to affect the redemption actually they tried to do a four man operation where it was supposed to be only one man goes in but they tried with four men that's why okay but Rabbi Kiva came out unscathed Baruch Hashem and all of our oral law comes from him because of that in any case the, the, the concept was okay that this thing is manifest and there, was, there were earlier movies they made out of it this was just a weird uh, science fiction there was a movie that I'm trying to find that was in the 50s called Angry Red Planet where also they were on this planet and whatever their fears were there was manifesting it manifested their fears so obviously they got this group came to realize we gotta get rid of this thing because we're not mature enough to handle it <laughs> mankind cannot accept this gift we have to wish it away and so they got together did a meditation and, and returned the gift they de-gifted. Okay, not re-gifted. They de-gifted. Okay? So the idea was because mankind is not mature enough to handle this because they, 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 they're full of crud. Their brains are full of crud. Yeah. And they got all kinds of emotional stuff going on. If you're imbalanced, boom! Yeah. Now the Torah is that, in my, in my opinion. Okay? But it's user-friendly. All right. Okay? In other words, a lot of times the big sages, the big sages, the big rabbis were able to manifest things and they used the Torah to manifest it. It happens actually all the time with the big rabbis. The big rabbis were really masters of it. They can actually use the Torah to actually bring about Yeshua's salvations for people. Hanina Bendosa did it. A person fell in the well. This person, this person uh, used to supply well water for all the people who would come to the pilgrimage in Jerusalem. Yeah. And this, and uh, and one happened, his daughter once fell into the well. You know, and these wells are deep and big and who knows how expansive it goes. And, and they went to the, the big sage at that time and they're going, he, she fell in the well. She'll come up, she'll, she'll be fine. And like one hour, two hour, three hours pass and they, they don't see her. Right? And like, there's no one could live under that. They keep coming every hour going, she didn't come up, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Right, finally like seven hours later or something. She's, they come to like, like she's, she's come up already. And then they go back and they find out she just came up and she's fine. And they go, what's with that, Rebbe, right? She says, well, this guy did a mitzvah with the wells and therefore it couldn't be that he would get damage from, from the mitzvah, the good deed that he did by supplying water to people. But then the weird thing is, after Hanina Mendoza passed, the same guy had a son who passed away from uh, thirst. He got caught in the desert and died. And they were like, well, what happened? Right? They didn't have this sage to go ahead and use the Torah to go ahead and bring about this kind of reality. Okay? The Torah really is a key to doing that. A lot of times it's done like that. A lot of times. Uh, yeah. I, I know I know one um, friend of mine yes. who's there was um there was there was meningitis going around in, 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 in Israel and his son had a fever one day, two day, three day, they had to take him away in an ambulance finally. They took him away in the ambulance and as the the, the mother went with the kid away in the hospital and the father, you know, closed the door, the ambulance drove away, and he sees this Hasidish Rebbe coming out of this other house with his whole entourage. And he jumps, and he jumps in front of the Rebbe, and he says, Rebbe, they took my son to the hospital, right? 
And the Rebbe goes, oh, what's the name of your son? He says, his name is Yaakov. This week's Parsha is Vayechi Yaakov, which means that when Yaakov lived, Vayechi Yaakov. He'll be fine. And he kept walking. Kid was okay. And he, oh, by the way, he turned before he got into the car, the Rebbe. It's not meningitis, it's just a fever. It's fine. Right? They know things too, right? There's big rabbis do big things, okay? So the idea really is the Torah is a very, it's, we're talking about like Sefer Yetzirah, creational science and things like that, okay? We went a little bit off topic, but it's good to, it's good to know because our tefillahs and our good mitzvahs do tremendous things in the spiritual realm. We don't know, okay? Don't get too heavy. Don't get too freaked out. You have to be happy. That's the most important thing. Okay? Remain calm and remain happy. Okay? It's user-friendly. Okay. You'll, you'll, it's user-friendly. It's very user-friendly. Unbelievable. It knows your steps. It knows God knows the level you're on. He knows every single step that you have to deal with in order to develop yourself to come to the right. Okay? And no accident that everybody is in this room. Okay? So lock the door. Just kidding. Okay, let's go. <laughs> we have a few more minutes, okay? So the Sfirot in man. So like I say, this is the end. This is the end, okay? This is the three-column array. We're going to talk a lot about the three-column array, okay? Okay, um, so here on page 25, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what is this image? that he created. And when he said, let us make man in our image, mm -hmm. so the famous classic commentator Rashi says that it was a mold, a pre-made mold that God had made in order to make man in, called the image. It's not God's image, so to speak. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, in our image. Likeness means mold. Image means he'll have seichel. He'll be endowed with creative intellect. Okay? So the idea really is the way that everybody explains this mold is this tensphirot. Okay? As you're going to see right now. Okay? One, okay, man is seen as a micro, microcosm of God's creative powers. Thus, man is a microcosm of the spherot. In other words, the spherot are in mankind. Okay? I'll just do a little thing here. Okay? So we look at this. It's really being this, the, the head. Okay? This is the head. You'll have the crown. You'll have the right brain and the left brain. Okay? And then what you're going to have here, right, is the right arm, the left arm, the torso, right leg, left leg, and this is the sexual organ, and this is the crown of the sexual organ, or the, or the, or the female, or the wife. In any case, you have here the image of man by having a three-column. Man is a three-column kind of dude. He's got like three columns, right, left, and center, okay? So therefore, in one just basic, very basic. That's why the Jewish law is, if you hang a person, if, they, if the Jewish court would hang a person, who had the death penalty, they can only hang them, they hang them up, mom is just before sundown and take them down right away. You're not allowed to leave a body, a dead body hanging overnight. It's forbidden to leave any body hanging because, and the reason is a bizarre reason. 
It's really bizarre. It's because man is made in God's image and people will get confused thinking that mm. God is hanging. What? Whatever it is, it messes up the psyche of man. It, it, it goes somehow in a subliminal type of way to mess up man, if you would see, a body hanging overnight. So the idea really is because of that imaging, because we, we, don't, we don't know what really impresses in us, in our psyche, okay? You know, come on, we only knew how much percent of our brains? Yeah. Four percent, ten? It's part of the brain that we're, it's very much there, and we're in touch with. Our brains are sucking in so much energy and so much data right now, but the brains are really mostly filters. The way I understood it, they're filters. They're filtering out all the information. And all the people that take the hallucinogenic drugs, it blocks the filters, and that's for all this information then is his, his experiences. The information that's really all there the whole time. Okay? okay? It's usually, it's always the blocking of the filters. You have a question? Uh, yeah, the, uh, well, it, you're going to have to come to it next week because it's a big one. Why is Elohim plural? Okay, we'll get to that next week. It's a good one. I'll just answer on one foot, okay? okay. Elohim is a very word because you understand um, it means powers, mm -hmm. but really we call it when we refer to God as Elohim because he re we refer to He is the universal source of all powers. In other words, what we experience to be powers, we know there's only one power. So when we refer to it in a holy way, we say Elohim. But if you're going to refer to it, but you know the same name Elohim, yes, uh, people use it for other gods as well. Yes. Elohim. Acherim, right? So therefore it has the dark aspect to it, which refers to those separate powers, okay? As in their separate sense, the sun, the moon. But we refer to the universal power. Anyways, that's in a nutshell. Okay. Number two, the qualities. Also these spheros are going to represent the qualities in man, such as fear, love, etc., are a reflection of the qualities God uses in running the universe. I said that these svirot are called Han Hagot, ways that God runs the world, how he drives. How do you like my driving? I imagine God's bumper sticker, okay? <laughs> how do you like my driving? Okay. <laughs> You know, big, <laughs> and most people don't like the way he's driving. What are you going down this road for? It's so bumpy and irritating. Is there any air conditioning here? What's going on? What kind of neighborhood is this? Okay, most people don't like the way God is driving. They have problems with it. Instead of enjoying the ride, they always have fetches, right? Yeah, that's true. So God is running the world and he and he, how he runs the universe yeah. and he runs the universe through these qualities such as fear and love that's the biggest ones okay so we look at always this sphere i'm going to tell it don't worry we'll get the names this sphere is called the sphere of love this one is called the sphere of fear okay so sometimes you know god wants to awaken people he'll use this energy people will become awakened and become frightened okay who's going to win the election Okay? Shh, let's not go there! Shh. But we all know what was going on beforehand. Everybody's on spilkas, okay? Everybody. Okay? The entire world. God is awakening the world through this quality. And love, okay? 
after the elections for some people. <laughs> for some. But it doesn't matter. Love also is an awakening. If a person has an awakening of love, okay, and he feels love for something, right? Obviously, that's an awakening of something much higher that is going on, okay? These are qualities that God expresses in the world, okay? And in personal lives as well. And of course, we have those kind of same emotional energies that we also have to balance. Have to balance. Have to balance, okay? Every quality must be balanced. Love, fear, glory, ego, right? All of those. The human body is, path, is, is patterned after the anthropomorphic array of the spherot, which is what I showed you. And this serves as a paradigm, perfect paradigm of extremely varied forces working in synchronized balance and harmony. And they are differentiated and interdependent. Don't forget, when we said that this array of the breaking of the seven kings who had no connection to each other, right? All of a sudden, what happened? Here comes man on this day six of creation. Don't forget, we were saying in creation, the six days of creation, each one of these vessels was being fixed. But it was being fixed in such a way, and then came man. Man was a very unique character, because man here was the antithesis of a free will entity, and he included with his free will all of those vessels in a, in a single unit. In other words, all the ten spherot are included in him. He has three columns about him. Therefore, he made these dudes get together. And everybody has to work together. The right arm has to help be in harmony with the left arm and the body and the left leg has the right leg. And everybody's got to work together. And here was man who came on the scene of the exact here idea, concept that is manifest of varied energies that work together, okay? So that's the idea of the ten spherot, okay? So we have microcosm, yes, all the creative powers, man is very creative. Qualities, emotions, and even in physical form, okay? The first three of the ten spherot are understood to be the mental powers, as opposed to the lower seven are emotional in nature, okay? And this is a very important split that I split with you. And we're going to end off with just this one thing, okay, that I must tell you before we are to proceed, okay? Now, each one of these spherot is going to have inside of them another set of ten, okay? Each one has ten. And then, of course, each one of those also has ten. It's important to know that, okay? So each one of these has ten. Okay? Okay, so we'll stop now. This is a good place to stop. And then, God willing, we'll start with the mental spherot. Okay? Next week, Emir Tzashem. Should? Any questions?